1: Hello people, how are you? Are you good? Alright, hey, this is Steve Taylor, alright? Whatever happened to sin?
0: If you can't support
1: it, why don't you abort it instead? Yeah.
0: Good point.
1: Say it ain't none of my business, huh? A woman's got a right to choose. Yeah, they do. Whatever happened to sin? Alright, put my smooth muscle hand thingy away. I heard the reverend say, Gay is probably normal in the good lord's sight. Never stated what's right. Yeah, he did. the uh.
0: Reverend may be a little confused.
1: Okay. Yep, that's what we're going to talk about.
0: All
1: right, people. Welcome to this edition of Bible News Radio. It is Monday. Yeah, it is. This is the beginning of Holy Week. Technically, it was yesterday, actually. Remember, yesterday was Palm Sunday. That was the day that Yeshua, well, he went into Jerusalem. The triumphal entry is what they referred to it as. He was on a donkey. You ever wonder why he was on a donkey? You ever wonder why he didn't come on a horse? How come it was specifically a donkey? You ever wonder why? Why well, did. And so I looked it up. And part of the reason why the Lord came on a donkey is because, uh, first of all, it was prophesied in Zechariah. And second of all, uh, it really has to do with the fact that um, one of the previous kings in Israel actually also did as well. And so it was kind of um, the, the, lead, the Israeli, the religious leaders of Israel of that day. Those who understood that Jesus was the Messiah got it. Those who didn't didn't, and it was really an interesting fulfillment of Scripture, where, um, well, and we see that we see this often, right? We see these dual dual. Um, I forgot how, what the exact term is, but it's basically where where Jesus fulfills one part of the Scripture the first coming and then the second part he fills at the second coming and the religious leaders of that day didn't understand that he was coming back twice just so you know (laughs) anyway so palm sunday is a really special day for me personally because many years ago in the early 80s when i was in high school my girlfriend uh gail who was my friend in in choir um she invited me to church for the first time on Palm Sunday, and I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, it was Victoria Community Church. No, Victoria Ave- Was it Victoria Community or Victoria Avenue Christian Church? Anyway,
0: probably Victoria Avenue, Vic- since uh, that's the street it was on.
1: Victoria Avenue Christian Church. I think that was the. Can you hear it? No, me? no, no, no. It was the big church. Okay. It wasn't the one that I went to. Anyway, this was a huge, it was a mega church. I didn't realize that at the time. But anyway, yeah, anyway, she invited me to the church. And I remember they said, hey, if you're a visitor, you know, stand up. We want to give you a gift. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, I was. So anyway, long story short, I stood up. And and they came over. They gave me this pack with a pen. I was like, yeah, I got a pen. Woo, scored. I I mean, I was only a kid, man. I was like 14, 13 years old. But... It was Palm Sunday. It was really cool. It was the first time I had heard that message. And 30 something years later, I still get to declare it here from the internet. Who, who would have thought that many years ago when I was just a teenager, that God would give me the opportunity to be speaking to the world or whoever decides to show up on the internet? I wouldn't have. Yesterday, I had a... Stressful. Well, I was emotionally kind of eh, yesterday. We found out one of our friends' sons had committed suicide earlier in the week, and um, I have to say that, um, you know, it kind of puts a damper on your day when you find out somebody you loved lost their son. He was fifty, and um, and then anyway, long story short, I was tired, still tired from my trip to California. And, um, and then I went and visited my dad who has dementia and, and, you know, I'm not real thrilled with how they take care of his room and, you know, some of that stuff. So I was kind of like, like going, man, this is such, yeah. And then I had to go to Iwana. I was like, I don't want to go to Iwana. I don't want to teach these kids, you know, but I bring this up just to, just to share with you. Cause I'm real. Right. But, but once I got to Iwana, I have three, three girls that I deal with because the boys have been banished from my class, <laughs> primarily because of one kid, unfortunately. But the there's these three young ladies who are in my class, and, you know, they have to memorize scripture, right, in order to get patches, little badges that they get in wanna. And these twins, I have to tell you, they rock. I mean, they rock. They're standing there. And they're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth with, with the Bible verses that they have to memorize. And one of the um, one of the verses is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? Which says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Right? And all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths, you know, or direct your steps, whatever version it is you use. Anyway, they had to say that one and... And I was so happy I knew it because I was like, yeah, I don't even have to look on there to see if you got it right. <laughs> anyway, though, at one point I asked them, I said, I said, you guys, whenever you quote the scripture to me, you're quoting it. It's like super fast at warp speed. <laughs> I mean, you think I talk fast? These kids were like talking. I mean, they're talking fast for me, right? And they said, Well, Miss Stacy, it's because we we know it if we pause and we hesitate, we're not really sure, we we'll we'll mess it up. And I said, Okay, well, I I kinda I kinda get that. But it was encouraging to me because these are kids, yes, they're being raised by godly parents, which is a nice thing to see these days. Um, but they are really, really doing very well hiding God's word in their heart. And and so, even though I was feeling bummed out, tired, I actually fell asleep at my dad's house. If you watch my Instagram story, you kind of you can actually go back and see that. Um, I was like, "What? Oh, I'm tired. <laughs> uh, I, I don't fall asleep that easy," uh, which tells you how tired I was. Um, but it was really encouraging to see these kids, like you know, care about God's word. And why do I bring that up? Because The challenge I see sitting on this side of the microphone anyway for so many years is that if children who are raised in the fear and admonition of the Lord and they're they're being encouraged and rewarded for memorizing God's word can do that. Then when social issues, which are all biblical issues, right, come before us like abortion and homosexuality, adultery, infidelity, divorce you know, drug addiction, alcoholism, etc. When these types of issues come before us, how do we respond to them, right? How do we respond biblically, right? It's really super easy to respond unbiblically. I mean, it totally is. Let's just accept everything and everyone, right? That's, That's the blanket, like, well, it's, you know, whatever. Whatever's good for you is good for you. Whatever's good for me is good for me, right? But the problem is, is it's not biblical. So if you are biblical and you're outspoken about it, you're not going to be tolerated, especially on the big issues of the day. And the three big issues are homosexuality, abortion, and Islam. Those three. If you dare say homosexuality is a sin and and homosexuals can't get married, married, then you can actually lose your job in some cases. If you... Choose life over abortion, and you call abortion murder, you're considered an intolerant, hateful bigot. And if you say Islam is not a religion of peace, but rather a religion of pieces, as they cut your head off because they don't want to tolerate you because you you are the infidel to them, then you're considered an intolerant, well, who are you to judge, type Christian, right? It's true. It's completely true. And we can even extrapolate it farther. If you actually say, you know what, um, how how was I going to say this? <laughs> I was going to say something different. But bottom line, like, but but like, if you if you say to somebody, let's say you find out somebody's sleeping around and they're they're a believer, and you're like, why are you doing that? Like, that's completely unbiblical. Do you know how sad it is, you guys, that I know. Unfortunately, many Christian leaders who are not abstinent, (laughs) and they should be, you know, I'm talking single Christians, you know, who are not abstinent, they're in relationships with one another, and they're leaders in ministry. And I'm like, okay, how sad is it that you, that we've gotten to a point where we actually wonder if people are chaste or not. Which is why I want to celebrate Jamie Grace and her husband Aaron uh just for a minute because yesterday was their 1 year anniversary of being married. Yeah, it was. Jamie and Aaron uh I remember when Jamie introduced Aaron to the whole world and we we're like what the heck? What do you mean you're getting married? <laughs> what? Um anyway, they got married April 14th uh 2018. So they have now been married one year and one day. They have a little baby girl on the way. Um, and Jamie has been an uh, outspoken Christian advocate for abstinence, waiting till marriage, doing the right thing in marriage, you know, the family, all that stuff. She's, she has done it right. And she should be applauded for it. Because I can tell you some Christian leaders I know who have not done it right. And they're still in ministry out there being very vocal. Because nobody knows. What's going on? But God does, just so you know. Anyway, so today's show, we're going to talk about a couple issues. We're going to talk about outspoken Christians not being tolerated. We got some good news about that movie Unplanned, uh, and of course, Hillsong pastor. This is all tied into this other thing. Uh, Hillsong pastor Brian Houston is in the news, um, and and more. But first, we should say hi to Bearface because he's my my husband and. Do you do you agree with let's, me, Bearface? Let's
0: say hi to Bearface. <laughs> I can. You can. Can you hear me all right? Want me to turn you up? Maybe. I mean, you you're louder than I am, in <sighs> my head anyway.
1: How's is that? Is that that good now?
0: I, I can live with that. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to share this that way. I'm going to share again. People, thank you for sharing. Hello, Bear. Believer in what? Not allowing your child to choose gender. Okay. Oh, oh okay. Gotcha. All right. Let's see. Hard things and you are here with us. Okay. Yes, I am. A a regular king would come in on a horse with jewels. Jesus humbly came with a donkey. Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm seeing your comments. Okay. Yes. Well, Jesus asked for a donkey because it was prophesied that, that he was going to ride in on one. I mean, that's the big reason right there. But also, I think it was Solomon who also... When the kings went in Israel, they rode in. They were riding also on donkeys as well there in Israel. So it's it was just part of the culture of that day. But anyway, let's look at this article. Okay, outspoken Christians will not be tolerated. This is over on barbwire.com. It's, and this is written by Bill Muhlenberg, who's a very outspoken believer, actually. So says here, Well, that didn't take long for daring to share some scripture passages on his own social media page. Australian rugby star Israel Folau, I'm not sure I'm saying that right, but I tried, uh, has been given the boot, all in the name of tolerance and inclusion, of course, as one report puts it. Israel Folau is set to be sacked. That means fired. Fired. Following his social media post on Wednesday night leaving the Wallabies preparations ahead of September's World Cup in chaos. A year after telling gay people they were destined for hell on Instagram, the thirty year old doubled down on his hateful, harmful rhetoric by sharing a meme that informed the masses that hell awaits quote drunks, homosexuals, adulterers, liars, fornicators, thieves, atheists, and idolaters, unquote, on the social media platform. And that then that's uh that is linked there. Hmm. Quote, hateful, harmful rhetoric. Unquote. Nothing like throwing in some editorializing. <laughs> Grover! <laughs> hey, mister! Come here, Bubba! Okay, I'm sorry, my dog's barking.
0: Dog, we're doing a broadcast here. <laughs> Don't you know that?
1: <laughs> Grover! There's somebody outdoors yeah it looks like there's somebody out front <sighs> anyway Grover come here buddy okay anyway <laughs> could you see on fox news them doing that or janet parcel on her show hey bozo dog face come here <laughs> all right anyway <clears throat> hold on a minute is he done okay i think he's done Okay, nothing like throwing in some editorializing. (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) With your reporting, mate. But this is always how the tolerance crowd operates. Going on and on about it all the time, but refuse to practice it when it comes to Christians and conservatives. Of course, it's not hard to see why the persecution of Folau was so swift and severe. Qantas... This is Qantas Airlines, by the way. Handed by a Homosexual is a major sponsor of the Wallabies. They are not really into love and acceptance. Qantas boss Alan Joyce said a few years back that if you're not pro-homosexual, you should not fly with Qantas. Good to know. Yeah. And, And get a load of this statement from Qantas. Quote, these comments are really disappointing and clearly don't reflect the spirit of inclusion and diversity that we support. Hmm. Let me see if I got this straight. In the name of inclusion um, and diversity, Qantas and Rugby Australia will not tolerate and include Folau. Sure makes perfect sense. All right. The attack on him has been relentless. As I keep saying, I expect pagans to hate on Christians. What grieves my spirit deeply is how many so-called Christians have been blasting him as well. But as one example of many, I had one gal say this on social media post about him. Remember, these are believers saying this case. This is irritating. Bill Muhlenberg, homosexuality is not the only sin referred to in scripture. I would take his stand far more seriously if he highlighted other sins impacting professional sportsmen and women as well. Example, cheating rough and unnecessarily aggressive play, greed, and the most serious of all, not placing God first in their lives. Further, these sins have far more serious consequences impacting the lives of others than what goes on between two consenting adults in the privacy of their own bedrooms. To which Bill replied, Thanks, but you obviously did not even bother to read my article, nor the remarks of Folau, had you actually done so instead of offering us your knee-jerk reaction, you would have seen that he did exactly that. He highlighted a whole bunch of sins. He mentioned an entire list of sins, not just homosexuality. Indeed, he simply quoted a list of sins from scripture. But what has bothered me far more than these clueless Christians are all the Christian, quote, leaders, unquote, who have come out to attack him and rebuke him. This... I find so very worrying. One online Christian magazine asked a bunch of these leaders what they would say to Folau. Most of their replies were really rather appalling. Most accused Folau of being unloving and judgmental and ungracious and condemning and reckless. The very same things most non-Christians call Christians when they seek to share biblical truth. One spoke of Folau's clod-hopping use of the Bible with verses ripped out of context and lists of sinners bound for hell without any sense of the broader story distorts the core message of the text. Hmm. He simply quoted some scriptures which speak to the situation at hand and such people are not sinners? You mean Paul was wrong? Hmm? Really? Really? So why do I suspect that some of these leaders would condemn the prophets, Jesus, Paul, and Peter, for the way they shared the truth and evangelized? Why do I suspect that some of them would think they have a better grip on these matters than they did? Brian Houston, just saying. And all this, despite what Folau has actually said, the stuff the lamestream media and clueless Christians do not want you to be aware of, he recently wrote some pieces seeking to explain his stance. Let me quote from some of it, okay? So this is the guy that got fired. This is what he actually wrote. People's lives are not for me to judge. Only God can do that. I have sinned many times in my life. I take responsibility for those sins and ask for forgiveness through repentance daily. I understand a lot of people won't agree with some of the things I'm about to write. That's absolutely fine. In life, you are allowed to agree to disagree. But I would like to explain to you what I believe in, how I arrived at these beliefs and why I will not compromise my faith in Jesus Christ, which is the cornerstone of every single thing in my life. I hope this will provide some context to the discussion that started with my reply to a question asked of me on Instagram two weeks ago. I read the Bible every day. It gives me a sense of peace I have not been able to find in any other area of my life. It gives me direction. It answers my questions. I believe that it is a loving gesture to share passages from the Bible with others. I do it all the time when people ask me questions about my faith or things relating to their lives, whether that's in person or on my social media accounts. I have tried to live my life in God's footsteps ever since. I follow his teachings and read the Bible all the time in order to learn and become a better person. Since that happened... I have been at peace and enjoyed life with an open, honest heart, which is why my faith in Jesus comes first. I would sooner lose everything, friends, family, possessions, my football career, that's soccer, just so you know, the law, and still stand with Jesus, than have all those things and not stand beside him. Don't you love that? I do. Anyone who knows me knows I'm not the type to upset people intentionally. Since my social media posts were publicized has been suggested that I'm homophobic and bigoted and that I have a problem with gay people. This could not be further from the truth. I fronted the cover of the Star Observer magazine to show my support for the Bingham Cup, which is an international gay rugby competition for both men and women. I believe in inclusion. In my heart, I know I do not have any phobia towards anyone. I, for one, support Israel. And am praying for him, I will ignore the legion of armchair critics and keep seeking to encourage him. That does not mean I would do everything the way he has done it, as I wrote in my earlier piece. And this is Bill, again, the author of this. But I applaud his courage and his dedication to Christ. And yes, it is a loving thing to do so, to warn the sinner about his fate and to urge him to run to Christ. Sorry, but give me one courageous, albeit imperfect, Israel Fallau instead of a thousand of his milk toast critics any day of the week. God bless you, Israel, uh, as seen here at Culture Walk, posted with permission. Okay, I didn't probably have to read that part, but <laughs> but anyway, I love that. And the reason I love it is because first of all, it's an example an example of a bold Christian. Second of all, when you look at Brian Houston, who is a pastor of one of the biggest churches in Australia, if not the biggest, Hillsong, who I actually had the opportunity to interview on my show. And I was going to interview him. Uh, but the interview fell through, and I'm really glad that it did because um, because I don't support Brian Houston and what he, he does. So let me read the article over here now, um, titled... <clears throat> Hillsong Pastor says Christians shouldn't judge homosexuals. God is God of love. Acceptance. Now, just based on the title, I would say, number one, um, he's biblically incorrect in the sense that, you know, if we read, well, then the Bible shouldn't judge homosexuals, period, right? I mean, I understand what he's saying. I just don't agree with him. Go ahead. I,
0: I would agree 100%. Christians shouldn't judge homosexuals. Right, we're not to judge people, especially those outside well we we're, we're to judge those who are inside the fellowship whoever calls themselves a brother or a sister, the body of Christ, but not judge those who are outside and judge means to basically um judge the sin that's what yeah we're, that's right. what we're doing but but you know to judge Behavior. an individual is just like in a courtroom here's the sentence you know to uh, pass some sort of sentence or or to condemn like the opposite of condone an right. action. Someone someone who's in the body living in sin. You need to confront them, correct them, I and, have a gamble. And if and if they are unrepentant, right. expel them. That that is the model in scripture, Matthew 18, 1 Corinthians 5, etc. Those who are outside, no, not judge but to inform them of the consequences of, of, of continuing their sin or embracing their sin rather than embracing Christ, that a Christless eternity waits them, uh, eternal judgment, uh, that's, that's not a judgment saying, hey, these are the options open to you. That's not a judgment. It would be wrong for Christians to pass a judgment and say, oh, because you practice this sin, whether it be drunkenness or, you know, revelries or homosexuality, or whatever, to, to say, because you do that, you're not allowed to, uh, you know, whatever, you, you got to stay out of my neighborhood and I'm not going to talk to you. Uh, you can't, you can't, um, you know, fill in the blank, some, pass some sort of judgment. Or sentence or condemnation. No, Christians shouldn't do that. But to to warn someone uh, that the path they're on leads to destruction, that's not judgment. That's, that's an expression of love. If a car, you know, someone's driving down the road and the bridge is out ahead.
1: Right, can you I read don't, the article?
0: Yeah, you don't say, God bless you. Have a wonderful trip. <laughs> Be safe out there. Right. You warn them that the bridge is out.
1: Yeah. Well, let me read the article. Hillsong Church is arguably the most influential religious organization in the world. Through its music program, Hillsong is known throughout all of Christendom and is either loved or hated by most. The reality is most of the professing church love Hillsong and sadly, Hillstrong leads many astray. Hillsong has straddled the fence on the issue of homosexuality and sin for some time, never making a clear and concise statement of belief one way or the other, while not actually giving verbal affirmation to various forms of immorality, much of what they say and do give tacit approval to a sinful lifestyle." Israel Falau is an Australian rugby player who courageously took to Instagram to declare the biblical truth that unrepentant homosexuals will not receive the kingdom of God. Anyone who has ever read the scriptures cannot deny that this is what the Bible actually says. Okay?
0: And can we? I'm just going to bring that up again. Warning drunks, homosexuals, adulterers, liars, fornicators, thieves, atheists, idolaters he's not picking on homosexuals it's anyway back to well, the article yeah
1: so so this is what israel wrote he wrote uh, those those that are living in sin will end up in hell unless you repent jesus christ loves you and is giving you time to turn away from your sin and come to him now the works of the flesh are manifest which are these adultery fornication uncleanness lasciviousness idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such of like, of, wit- of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's Galatians five nineteen through 21 and the King James Version, obviously. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Acts 2.38 And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Acts 17.30 Okay, so that's what Israel wrote. Back to the article. Apparently this was too much for the founder and leader of the largest church in Australia, Brian Houston. Houston took to the Sydney Morning Herald, to rebuke Folau, stating that Jesus, John the Baptist, and the Apostle Paul, the writer of the very verse uh, Folau quotes that Houston has a problem with, all kept their harshest criticism for those who were religious and judgmental. Agreed. The world doesn't need more judgmental Christians, Houston writes. In the, in the eyes of many, the church is not relevant to their lives and, it is, and is seen to be stuck in the past. Of course, this is absurd if you actually hold to a biblical worldview. Jesus said that if people hate the church, which is made up of Christians, it is actually that they hate him first. John fifteen eighteen, John fifteen eighteen. The central, okay, then he says this. The central storyline of our faith is a story of love and redemption, a story of forgiveness and acceptance. I would never compromise the integrity of biblical teaching, and I believe that the Bible is clear about the consequences of sin. However, as Christians, we are first called to love God and love other people, including those who believe differently to us. Agreed. Okay. Okay. So the author of this article says, this is exactly antithetical to what the scripture teaches. To differentiate between love and truth is an artificial distinction. Essentially, what Houston is saying is that we should love people enough to keep the truth about their sins to ourselves. What Houston is actually doing is the most hateful thing one can do. We are not called first to, quote, love, unquote, apart from giving others the truth. This isn't the first time Folau has stood up to Houston on social media. Last year, Folau had no problem defending his stance against the prosperity gospel huckster, Brian Houston, as he posted on Twitter. He tweeted to Brian Houston, If you had the goodness and grace of Jesus Christ, you'd warn people of where they'll end up if they continue living in sin. There's one thing that's common with all you prosperity preachers. You never speak of repentance, hell, or sin. You're worried about losing crowds and money. The Great Commission, Jesus' last words before leaving this earth, is to go out into the world and make disciples. And Paul tells us exactly how to do that in Romans ten fourteen to 17. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But... They have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Okay, so you, Mr. Bareface, are saying you agree with Brian Houston. But the question is, do you agree with him based on the interpretation of the writer? That's why no. I want to bring this up. No, because, I... I, because of how it's written and I, and I, I, I understand exactly what he's saying. Go
0: ahead. I agree with the words, the literal meaning of the words. You, like he's quoted here, Brian Houston is quoted as saying, the central storyline of our faith is a story of love and redemption. Mm-hmm. Indeed, it is. Yep. A story of forgiveness and acceptance. Indeed, it is. God demonstrates his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's not love. I don't know what is. Right. I would never compromise the integrity of a biblical teaching. I hope not. I don't know enough, haven't heard enough of his preaching to know. But he says, and I believe the Bible is clear about the consequences of sin. Indeed, it is. I wholeheartedly agree with that. However, as Christians, we are first called to love God. Yes.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeshua said the first and greatest commandment is love love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So we are first called to love God and love other people. Including those who believe differently to us, Um But the fact that it's couched in this rebuke of Yisrael Falao there you go. Then that's he. He was never judgmental in his writing. He didn't say, "You despicable sinner, you. You know, you're this, you that. I'm never gonna do this. I, I hate you, and I'm." There's no kind. There's not a judgment there. It's it's a warning in love. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, again, you know the bridge is out ahead. Do you tell the drivers passing by, you know, have a pleasant trip, or do you let them know that the bridge is out? It's not condemning. Uh, and this graphic, I'm going to put that up again. Uh, that. He had on Instagram.
1: Okay, but let me. Okay, let me let me do a Vicky Finchism with you. Okay, cause cause Vicky right. would say you need to round the edges. If you want to win the homosexual community, sure. is it, is then it wait, the... let me finish. You have to, <laughs> you have to be a little bit more soft and gentle. What's, what's wrong with having unrepentant homosexual come into your congregation and listen to God's word? Whoa, 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 word?
0: whoa, 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 no, no, I there's, mean, there's, there's, there's the, the because, congregation because is the, not a wait, place wait, wait, for because, unrepentant anyone. Because
1: the church should be all inclusive and everybody is welcome into the church that's how we're gonna win these unrepentant homosexuals and lesbians, gays, and bisexuals and transgender people and pedophiles and stuff.
0: I would say well you need to read the scriptures. The 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 congregation, the assembly, the ecclesia, the called out ones is what it means.
1: But that's in the see, Greek
0: is is a place for those who have believed and received Yeshua. As Messiah, Jesus as a Christ, it's not not inclusive for anybody that believes anything and does anything. Suppose
1: you're, you know, you're a homosexual, right? And you really, really, you you love God and you want to go to church, but you know that biblically, as a traditional Christian, you're not really living biblically or whatever. But you can't help it. But you really love God and you want to be a Christian, and so you decide to go to church anyway. And but you're treated with disdain and hate because you know because you're gay.
0: I, if
1: how do you deal with that?
0: If I had, if I had believed and received, believed the claims of Christ that He is, you know, the the you know only begotten Son of God, the the, the Jewish Messiah prophesied uh, throughout the you know throughout the centuries, et cetera. If I believed that and I received Him into my life as my personal Lord and Savior, doubtless I would struggle with those, you know, with same-sex attraction because, you know, the, the flesh and the spirit war against one another. Um, but if I had confessed uh, Christ as Savior and Lord mm-hmm. and it's still possible to sin mm-hmm. and be tempted, right? Um, and I went to a congregation where I was hated and belittled and, uh, because of my struggle, I would find another congregation, because that would be a judgmental congregation. That would be, you know, the saying that you're no good, you're this, you're that, you don't deserve. Um, so that's that. Um, someone who is has not received Christ has not believed and received, as we read in John one twelve. Whoever, you know, whoever received him, believed in his name, to them he became, Mm -hmm. or gave the right to become the children of God, the authority, the power, whatever, the vested authority, if you will. Uh, then that's why the Great Commission is go into all the world, or really having gone into the world, make disciples of all nations. That's, that's where you make disciples at, um present the gospel to them if they respond and desire to be follow follow the lord then bring them into the assembly of believers the the ecclesia the called out ones
1: see and I'm glad you said that because I only raised this because this is this is the big controversial issue of the day it really is and, it, and you can thank Rick Warren and Bill Hybels uh, and all the other seeker sensitive Pastors out there who who turned the the church, which was a worship a sanctuary place for believers to worship God, into a seeker place for unbelievers to come into. And so, what's happened, and it's so subtle and deceptive. And what happened, they did it under the guise that people who are seeking out God would come to these fun services that really didn't have anything, you know, to to do with anything. Um, Except to come, we were told to go out, not to have the the world come into the church, and that's that's what's wrong with the church today. And that's why the church, I think, is so carnal, because you have so many unbelievers in the church, and actually many pastors running the church who aren't believers themselves. And there's actually been uh, I'd have to find it, but I remember a couple of years ago I actually read this article about. Pastors coming out as atheists. These are Christian pastors that, oh, yeah, no, I don't believe, actually. Just so you know, I have no idea. Nope. And these, and many of these churches are, like, keeping them on even after they come out as an unbeliever. It's kind of like, what the heck? It's like, it's like there's this unbeliever pastor underground, you know? It's like... (laughs)
0: <laughs> well we like we like their preaching so but
1: wait hold on and they're
0: such nice people but you might as well... somebody's
1: not agreeing with you hold on i'm gonna write, read the comment
0: and there's a comment over there on twitch i want to okay you.
1: so um is it i think it's rob ron rob rob yeah rob hi rob okay so rob says you're not saying that these people aren't welcome in the church i hope law and then um oh i don't agree with randall there my church is open and invites everyone you are saying that everyone that enters the church door must be a believer What I'm saying is, is that the traditional church sanctuary is a place for believers to worship God. And actually, we're going to get into that in just a second with the Holy Week thing. Um, But God's house is a house of prayer, right? I mean, that's what it should be, right? That's what he set it apart to be. He called his house a house of prayer. And unbelievers... Do not generally engage in prayer, that's one thing, or worship of God. So they would be totally uncomfortable in a real house of God, in my opinion, right? The Bible says to go out, therefore, into the world, not bring the world into the church. And that's what I have a problem with.
0: Yeah, should there be a bouncer at the door and ask for your, you know...
1: <laughs> Are you a certified, baptized, in a Christ believer, in tongues person? You
0: know, card to come... Well, if, if you're in the underground church in China... Um, access to the congregation to the assembly is very difficult you got to be in the know to know about where they're meeting in the first place and they're pretty particular about who comes in you know for their own safety but here in the western world no not have a bouncer at the door and bar the doors and ask for the secret password or handshake you know (sighs) to get no, the, the door should be open. That would
1: didn't? be the Masonic Lodge, yeah. by the way.
0: <laughs> anyone who <laughs> <It's> wants like... <laughs> to, anyone who happens to come in and wants to come in, I think that's why it's a good idea to give uh, an altar call, if you will, you know, a gospel. Because there may be someone there. Maybe they've even attended church. Even for... though
1: altar calls are not in the Bible either. So I know. Just so you know.
0: But even, you know, even there may be someone Sitting on the pew, that's been attending church all their lives, but have never made a confession of faith, have never made a uh, actually a commitment, uh, to or never a... been
1: baptized even.
0: Right, so
1: that blew me away. I had some friends like I, they were Christians. I'm like, you guys never been baptized? you what you were raised in the church and you were never yeah. baptized? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's like.
0: So, still, no, I don't believe in barring the doors to outsiders, but I don't... (laughs) just
1: picture that.
0: But I don't... Randall
1: blocking the door. No, you can't come in!
0: But I don't condone (laughs) advertising and inviting unbelievers in. Come on in, we've got this murder mystery dinner theater. Come on in, we've got the same old, you know, music that you like out there, you know, with the same pyrotechnics and all that. Come on in. Oh, we've got a great coffee shop. Come on in. Come on in. We'll, you know, we've got great, you know, babysitting here. Come on in. We've and doing all these things to invite.
1: That's what the Harvest Crusade is for.
0: Exactly, it's going out into the world. That's what and, the
1: Harvest That's what exactly. crusades were for. That's what revival tent meetings were for. Exactly, was to invite the people to those meetings. Greg Greg Laurie has it. You know, just in case you don't know who he is, Greg Laurie is the pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. Anyway. Spot on, but yeah, yeah. so
0: no, bar, you know, you know, bar and lock the doors, no, but don't make an overt invitation and try to make it unbeliever friendly.
1: Right, and that's, see, that's where the thing is. Okay, so Rob is saying, I belong to an inner city church, we walk the city streets and invite people, many have been saved. That's great. Oh, and then Sean says, only members can receive communion at our church, but can hear the message. Well, well, yeah, I mean, if, if, if an unbeliever, why would they want to take communion if they're not a believer? So, I mean, so that kind of makes sense. I don't agree with church membership either, to be honest. I, I don't. I don't like denominationalism personally. That's just me. I just became a member of a church after being at that church for five years. Uh, not because I really wanted to become a member, but because we kind of felt like, we should, even though, you know, and I even told the pastor. I said every time I become a member, I get thrown out of a church. I don't know why that is, but. Uh,
0: and you know that's not true.
1: No, not not really. But it just—you've
0: you've never been thrown out of a church. Well, maybe no, I was thrown out of once, one church once. before I met you.
1: <laughs> yeah, you made me clean again.
0: <laughs> oh, I know about that. <laughs> All right.
1: Okay. So it's a controversial and it's an emotional subject because the church has changed how what it's about right i mean the church doesn't make disciples anymore really um and all that i mean that's the big that's the biggest job of the church is to make disciples and it really doesn't do that so um over
0: over on twitch oh um William White 945 says, hey, a long-time viewer here. I just want to, I don't think he's there anymore. I don't know if he's there or not.
1: A long-time viewer on
0: he Twitch? Says, is, he says, is a long-time viewer here. Maybe just came over to Twitch. Anyway, uh, I just want to ask what your opinion, what you opinion on conversion therapy.
1: Okay, okay, my opinion. Okay, well, how do I say this in a short way? Okay, here's what I'll say. I'm a marriage and family therapist by training. My master's is in clinical psychology. When I finished 3000 hours of training and five years of my internship, okay, it took me five years to do that. Cause I did it part time. And I was going through the state licensing test requirements, which I paid $600 for the testing material, um, in the state of California. And there were no questions that allowed me as the therapist to answer that if somebody came in struggling with same-sex attraction, that I could say that they could change. When I saw that, and I saw that going down the pike, that basically me as a licensed therapist in the state of California was going to have to affirm anybody who wanted, uh, who who was already identifying that way and they wanted change, I would have to say, well, you know, you really don't have to change, you know, and really it's not my job to change. You know, you should just feel comfortable with yourself where you're at. When I saw that, my biblical conviction said I cannot do that. And I walked away from my counseling career. Took me 18 years to earn that degree. And no, 13 years to earn the degree, five years to earn the hours. Uh, to get licensed in California. And then, of course, I moved to Tennessee, which I am not licensed here in the state of Tennessee, so I'm not going to do all those hours again here and get licensed. Because now 17 states have on the books, because of the the people, for whatever reason, ignorance, stupidity, willful dumbness, whatever, uh, have basically banned uh, people underage minors anyway, from from getting help with unwanted same-sex attractions. So, so-called conversion therapy, the way that it's been promoted in the liberal media and the way that it's been marketed in the liberal media is nothing but a lie, the way that they've marketed it and the handful of people that have, quote, been harmed from it. Technically, all therapy is conversion therapy, all types, you know, I mean, because the whole point of going to therapy is to change. That's the whole point. (laughs) So, so the way it's promoted by the liberal media, of course, I don't agree with it. Um, But I do believe that if people go to therapy and they want change for something, they should have the right to change as a therapist i believe that the nerve i say i tend to hold to cognitive behavioral therapy as my modality and the reason i became a cognitive behavioral therapist if that modality is because it's closest scripturally if you change how you think you change how you behave right i mean god's word says to be continually transformed by the renewing of your mind and that, that means just that, to, to be continually transformed. We already know the neuroplasticity of the brain. God created it where we can literally rewire our brains by how we think. And when we do that, we change our behavior. And so it's basically a cycle. You change your behavior, change how you think, change how you think. It changes how you feel. You change, you know, all that. That's why, that's why walking and exercise is like the number one cure for depression. That's why I'm so anti-antidepressant, anxiety meds and all the other crap that the psychology world puts on you because it's all crap, right? It's, it's not good for you. But anyway, I don't know if that answers your question, but, and the other thing I would say too is that if you are somebody who, um, oh, I, was, I, I just read your comment and it totally like, <laughs> it totally sidetracked me. I've noticed this lately. I get sidetracked very easy. Um, oh yeah, that's what it was. Here's the other thing. The, the American Psychological Association is in the gay lobby's pocket. Okay. And here's the thing. They don't publish or promote all research. And so all the so-called psychological research that you, you get access to is not all the actual research that's actually out there. If you want to actually see research published by conservatives and Christians and people who actually have done other research, you got to go hunt and peck for it somewhere else. You're not going to get it through the APA because they're bought and paid for with the homosexual lobby. So, and, and I actually have friends who are liberal, um, and they're in the field and they don't even like how politicized the, the American psychological association is. And it's not just me. I've actually been to one of their conferences and I can tell you, um, that, yeah, it, it's, it's political. It's po- it's political. But anyway, nobody talks about that though, which drives me crazy. Okay. So, our um show here, I got good news, but there's two other things we got to cover. Yeah, the American Medical Association is too. All right, so let's see here. Dr. Caroline, yeah, Caroline Leaf is great. I have her book. I have no idea who started, started the fire in Paris, and I'm not talking about it, because everybody else on Periscope is. If you actually want to go ahead and learn more about the fire in Paris, go watch some other channel, <laughs> just so you know. Because when I logged in, there were six other Periscopers talking about it. And the Drudge Report is talking about it. That's not why I'm here. Okay, anyway. um, Okay, so Ariel Ministries is our is our sponsor. Uh, if you guys haven't gotten um you, anything from them lately, you should go over there. Ariel.org. Uh, we have a brand new book out. I forgot what it's called. anyway you can go over to biblenewsradio.com oh there it is okay yeah go over there it's called the feasts and fasts of of israel and uh you can save it's the feasts and fasts of israel their historical and prophetic significance yeah there we go you can get that book now from dr arnold you can save 20 percent when you use the coupon code bible news yeah you can hope you guys are doing that especially if you're pastors you should be like um getting getting good biblical stuff that helps you out. They have audio stuff too. They got MP3s, they got DVDs. So if you're hearing impaired, well, that wouldn't work if you're hearing impaired. But if you're blind, you can actually listen to a lot of audio teaching as well that Arnold has. And and not just Arnold, but Model Ballaston also. There's some other Bible teachers with Ariel uh, that you can also get their teaching too. All right. So, <clears throat> Also, if you want to become a pillar of our community, you can donate whatever you'd like at BibleNewsRadio.com. Are all the books on Ariel written by the same author? No, they're not. Uh, Most most of them are written by Arnold, but he does have a number of other uh, teachers that also there. So you just have to look at the website when you go there. Just look at the authors and you can see who they are. Um, Okay, yeah. So if you want to donate to our show, you can do that. If you want to become... A member of our text message list you can text the term Bible news to 33222 and uh, just so you guys know I have only been sending out one text message a day generally I'm, I'm I, uh, I finally got my 2000 renewed okay what happened to my computer all of a sudden my computer there we go <laughs> um, uh, I don't want to run out of 2000 messages so you might be only getting one a day <laughs> Anyway, you can join our text message list, text Bible News 33222. And also, um, if you're not yet a member of Legal Shield, um, you can become a member of Legal Shield and get identity theft protection as well. You can learn more by going to bit.ly forward slash capital L-O-J 2019. That's bit.ly forward slash capital L-O-J 2019. You can go there. That takes you directly to my page there. I also have a freebie. That you can get, um, if you struggle with anxiety, worry, and stress, you can go to bitly forward slash all lowercase slh peace. You can download that for free, bitly doc bitly forward slash slh peace slh is my my initials slh peace all lowercase. You can get that. That's for all you audio people. Just so you know. Trying to think, is there anything else I'm forgetting? Nope. Okay, I think that's it, right? Right, right? Okay. All right, so... Um, Holy Week, and there's a good good story. Okay, I'm going to do the, the story first, Randall. Okay, how many of you have seen the movie Unplanned? Have you seen it yet? Because uh, I have not seen it yet, but the good news that just came out is almost 100 abortion clinic workers have now contacted Abby... Abby's ministry uh, seeking to leave the abortion industry after they saw the pro life movie Unplanned. According to uh, barbwire.com, Chuck Konzelman, director of the Pureflex movie Unplanned, revealed to Congress this week that nearly 100 abortion clinic workers have sought to leave their jobs after seeing the pro life film. During his testimony to the Senate Judiciary Committee's subcommittee on the Constitution, Consumments and 94 Clinic Workers have approached former Planned Parenthood executive Abby Johnson's nonprofit and then there were none according to the Pure Flix Insider unplanned movie director says film was made for such a time as this 1% of the abortion workers of the United States after getting one look at them being portrayed on film he said have decided to change their lives and what they do for a living The Pure Flix filmmaker was on Capitol Hill to speak on a panel regarding Twitter's alleged censorship of Unplanned. On its opening weekend in late March, the social media platform temporarily suspended the film's promotional account. Unplanned chronicles Johnson's eight-year career at Planned Parenthood and her conversion to the pro-life movement after she watched a doctor perform an abortion via ultrasound. Ashley Bratcher the actor who portrays Johnson in the film, in the faith based movie, tweeted Thursday she, she receives messages every single day from people whose lives and minds were changed after seeing unplanned. And uh, this is a, a message she got. Just want you to know that the abortion minded client I shared your testimony with says she is now looking forward to being a mother. So again, thanks for allowing yourself to be used by God. Response How amazing. Would you please, please, Please let me know if there's any way that I can help her or support her. Please send her my love and let her know that I am personally so proud of her. The movie beat box office expectations for its opening weekend, bringing in $6.1 million more than doubling forecasted earnings. And that was so exciting that they posted it twice in the article. <laughs> out there, But anyway, I think that is awesome. Um, I, I think that is absolutely awesome. That, uh, that's just awesome. That's awesome. You know, it was the pro-life issue. It was the life issue that got me into Christian activism, if you will. Um, you know, I was, I was about 20, 1920 at the time when I went to my very first operation rescue movie or rescue movie, operation rescue outside of a Planned Parenthood in Los Angeles. And, uh, um, I'll never forget it. And, you know, it was a great, great thing. All right, so this is Holy Week, right? This is what we call it, Holy Week. Yesterday was Palm Sunday, where we remember the triumphal entry. Today, if we're going through the Gospels, and we don't have time to actually go through the Gospels, but I will say that today, what what will have happened in the week, Holy Week, is that Jesus cleared the temple. Um, and I will say that... That, um, you know, he he was upset because of what the money changers were doing inside the temple. And I believe today he would do the same thing if he was here. He would walk into a lot of our churches and temples and declare the same thing. He would say, the scriptures declare my temple will be a house of prayer, but you've turned it into a den of thieves. That's in Luke nineteen forty six, And then he stayed in Bethany again, probably at the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And, um, and all that. So, let's, let's read from Mark chapter 11. I'm going to, I'm going to pull that up really fast. Okay, let's see here. Mark chapter 11. We'll read the shortest one, (laughs) Randall, since we're almost out of time. Uh, Let's see here. Mark 11. Mark 11. Let's see here. Mark 11, 15 to 19. Let's see here. Here, I like the new American version. Okay, it's 15 to 19. It says, This um, then they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturn the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he would not permit anyone to carry merchandise through the temple. And he began to teach and say to them, Is it not written? My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. But you have made it a robber's den. And the chief priests and the scribes heard this and began seeking how to destroy him. For they were afraid of him, for the whole crowd was astonished at his teaching. And is that the farthest I should go? No. Verse 19. Then uh, when evening came, they would go out of the city. So... Actually, I can just read the rest. And as they were passing by in the morning, they saw a fig tree withered from the roots up. Being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look at the fig tree which you cursed has withered. Look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered, saying to them, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted you. Whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father who is in heaven forgive your transgressions. And that's in parentheses, which means that it may or may not have been in the original text. I don't know for sure. I figure Bareface might have a comment about it. Do you? Uh, no?
0: Yeah, when they are parentheses and like that, um, it is, doesn't appear in all manuscripts. So. Gotcha.
1: So anyway, so as we meditate on God's Word during this Holy Week, uh, one of the things I want to point out, and I will say this here, if you want to read the, parallel passages. You can read Mark 21, 12 to 22. Uh, I mean, Matthew, Matthew 21, 12 to 22, Mark 11, 15 to 19, Luke nineteen forty five to 48, and John chapter two, verses 13 to 17. You'll get the full picture of what happened there. And one thing I pointed out is that when Jesus um, did that, you know, he overturned the, the, the tables and all that, the real followers worshiped him. When that happened, everybody else, the religious leaders of the day, got super mad and they wanted him dead. They were plotting to kill him, and we know that this was, you know, right after he rode in on a donkey, just so you know. So we already know it's going to end in death, people. We already got that, but this is kind of the events leading up to it, uh, which I think is very interesting. So tomorrow we will look at Tuesday, what happened on Tuesday, uh, as well as some other things. But I hope you had a good day hope you're hope you enjoyed the show thank you guys for tuning in and um Pastor Garrett nice to see you uh, R- Rob said it was a stunning movie Sean nice to see you Gina Mia Melanie other people I don't know who you are <laughs> Sharon thanks for tuning in to Bible news radio hope you liked it remember be bold people stand up and go with God because he loves you